how do you take your life that you have that you just talked about here, all those things that you've got going on, and here's your goal. How did you get there? How did you go ahead and reach that? What was the systematic process? And what I've really found is that there are, you know, there's a variety of different things that people do, but I really found there's at least 10 things in the interviews that I've done so far that are pretty commonplace. Life, the ultimate challenge. These are the travels of the Million Dollar Trek. Its mission, to explore strange and bold ideas, to seek out new inspirations and new perspectives, to boldly go where no mere mortal has gone before. And now, coming to you from the classiest radio station on the air, this is... Hey there, Trekkies. Welcome to another wonderful edition of the Million Dollar Trek, home of Million Dollar Ideas. This is the place where we help everyday average folks who work nine to fives either escape their job in their cubicle or either enhance and grow in their positions to become great, wonderful leaders and good earners because money is very, very important. Today, I had the honor and privilege to speak with Ms. Sean, Mr. Sean Ackerman who has the podcast, You Leading You. It's actually a wonderful podcast, and it's all about leadership and self-development. Say hello to everyone, Sean. Hey, how are you doing today, everyone? And, and Kamari, definitely happy to be on the show today. Oh, well, thank you, thank you. Sean is a bit of a leader uh, himself. I know he works in the industry, industry during the day, but at night in his Sean Cave, he is a podcaster and coach. So, quick question before we start off, because I'm looking at your background. Mm-hmm. DC or Marvel? Marvel all the way, baby. Uh, boo. Oh, come on now. It, growing it, up, growing up, I was a DC uh, collector. I collected Superman, Flash, Green Lantern, Teen Titans, Justice League. And, and my cousin, who kind of got me into comic book collecting, was a, a Marvel guy. So I never really got into it until I got older. But I have to say, Marvel clearly has... the, the Marvel clearly monetizes and promotes their brand way better than DC. And you know what the draw is? And again, I, I could talk comic books all day, and I know that's not your uh, not necessarily the niche we'll talk about today, but I think for a lot of kids, iconically growing up, DC always had that larger-than-life appearance for kids, you know, and don't get me wrong, I love Super Friends growing up, you know, Wonder Twins' powers activate, but, um, you know, looking at Marvel, it always had a basis in reality, and I think that's one of the major draws that you actually see in the films now, because there's not that iconic, uh, it couldn't happen, and again, yeah, could there be a monster, a Norse god, a super soldier, or, or whatever else, or a man in an iron suit? Well, maybe the man in the iron suit, but it's got a little bit more of a, a grounding in reality. You think so? Yeah, well, I mean, as far as as far as comic book superheroes go, I, I see them being parallels to each one of them, um, to each to each one. I mean, it's almost each each character kind of has uh, a Marvel brother, you know, the the alter universe to a certain degree. All right, so who is uh, who is Spider Man's alternate in the DC universe? I can't think of who Spider Man's alternate in the DC universe is, but it's it's very similar. Because um, there was somebody who kind of mutated later on, and I can't think. I mean, but you could, I mean, minus the powers, you could say Green Lantern to a, to a certain degree. To well, a certain got, degree. 
you've got that troubled person who got additional responsibilities. And again, I, I always drew comparisons for superhero life to real life, you know, and again, I'm a big kid at heart. I'm 43 years old, but gosh, I, I could go ahead and I just saw Guardians of the Galaxy three times this year, wow. you know, loved it. I was great. And I got to take my kids to the drive-in to go see it. I was very excited and a great moment. But, um, you know, I always looked at that as a as a means for any generation to go ahead and have a little bit of escapism. And, right. um, you know, it, it's really key. It's really key to have that kind of a hobby or that kind of something that you enjoy outside of this. And if it can be iconic and give you that larger goal, I mean, hey, as a kid who didn't want to fly as Superman or swing through the, the skyscrapers like Spider-Man? Uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. But, you know, like I said, I had to concede that Marvel clearly does a better job promoting their brand and, and doing some things um, that are just out of this world to keep their brand relevant and you know dc I, I don't know how you mess up superman over and over and over again and they just kind of got it right this last time but yeah. that's something you know and even even batman they just started to get right but there's a lot of there's a lot of value in their catalog that you know i think would sell would be relevant well, and you've got what? Well, you got Batman has his 75th anniversary, I think, was it last year, I think, was Batman's 75th anniversary. And, I mean, Marvel's only really done superhero books since 61, 62, 63. Yeah. You know, Spider-Man, X-Men, Fantastic Four, all throughout those time frames. And I, I think there's definitely a legacy to be said for DC as far as having a brand and longevity. Oh, yeah, by the way. absolutely. But looking, at, um, but looking at both, you know, Marvel was on the edge of bankruptcy. Uh, back in the mid '90s, and yep. they actually pulled themselves out of it. Now you look at that, and and that that franchise is, as you said before, that that capital that's going into the uh, the financial end of this is a resurgence. You know, it's, it's funny. I really see the like the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Marvel heroes being somewhat of the kids' heroes today, like the Star Wars was when we were kids. Really? Okay, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet, so I will make it my business to go see it. But it looks like we're going to talk about comic books all day long. <laughs> Absolutely <But> not. <laughs> for, for our listeners and viewers, let's go ahead and give them a brief uh, introduction of yourself and your business. Sure. Uh, my name is Sean Ackerman, and, and as uh, Kamari mentioned, by day I am an energy individual. I work in the energy market, working with pricing with a propane uh, marketer in the Northeast. I've uh, been with the company for 10 years. Prior to that, had five years in a consultative background in software and uh, business development. Ten years prior to that, I was in big box retail. Um, so, you know, for the last actually 28 years, I've been in a professional environment in one area or another. Uh, the last three years, I've really had some catalysts that changed things in my life, uh, one of which was the fact that we had a hurricane that I took, uh, took and flooded our home with six feet of water. Uh, my wife and I and our kids ended up being homeless after that. By the way, we were in Disney at the time when it happened. We were in the happiest place on earth, and I got a phone call that said, hey, um, we got a small problem here because, uh, of course, we were expecting some trees to fall down and not having a wave go through the house. Now, what day, what day of the vacation did you get that call? Was it uh, the first day? The last no, day? I wish it was the first day. No, I wish. I'm glad it wasn't the first day. Let me rephrase that. It was probably two days away from us leaving. Uh, and then because of the hurricane, we got stuck down there for another three days in Disney. And at that point, I said, well, we're here. We're going to have to enjoy it. Let's go ahead and make the best of it. So we got to enjoy, I think, another three days at that time, three full days in Disney. Came back and then uh, started to pick up the pieces. Wow. Wow. So what what was it like coming home from vacation to a home of pure devastation? Um, 
difficult. Uh, my wife and I, when we got off the plane, we sent uh, the kids. Uh, my daughters at the time were seven and nine. We sent them with my in-laws back to their house because we stayed at th- with them for a period of time because we didn't have a place to go, uh, short of that or a hotel. And uh, my wife and I visited the house. When we got in the plane, it was like eight, nine o'clock at night, went in with a flashlight and saw there was like, you know, an inch and a half of mud on the floor. Um, you know, all of our stuff had uh, at, at that point had been what, four days after the event. So mold had already started to grow. Uh, it's just, it was a very surreal situation to go ahead and look at all of your belongings on a single floor residence and say, wow, we're pretty much going to have to start over again. But, but I will say this for my wife, we were, we were lucky enough. We were one of the only individuals in the area that actually had flood insurance. Uh, so it, it helped to replace some of the belongings and help with uh, replacement of getting into a new home as well. Wow. That's, that's, uh, I don't want to say funny, but it's, it's ironic because a lot of times, at least in my industry, cause you know, everybody knows, uh, uh, investments, insurance and taxes is what my company carries. A lot of people want to get insurance after the fact. I Always. Can't, I can't tell you how many times people have called me when they're sick, you know, on their deathbed and wanting insurance on their parents or something like that. And you really don't appreciate insurance because it's intangible until you, you really need it. So well, that, that's wonderful. Well, Kamara, and, and, and I'll continue with my story in a second. But the one thing I have to I have to say is I'm, I'm blessed to have my wife. And I could probably say that for a number of reasons. But I'm blessed to have my wife. Unfortunately, her father passed um, when she was 26 years old and her youngest sibling was only 12 at the time. Uh, so there were six kids in my wife's mother's and my wife's family um, that were left, you know, without a father and without a primary source of income, you know, early on. And the one value that my wife was able to pull away from that was the value of insurance and making sure that you protect yourself and your family and your belongings as well. So did your did your father-in-law have life insurance or he did not? Uh, he did. He did oh, have okay. different insurance policies. And that was a that was a true because at the time there were three kids that were still under the age of 18. Um, three of the kids were older, my wife being one of them, 26, I think at the time, 24 and like 23. And everybody else was a youngster at that point. Um, it, it just really helped to go ahead and get through the situation, regardless of the fact that it was a horrible, horrible situation to deal with. But that knowledge passed through and my wife has been adamant uh you know at times i call her an insurance nazi and i'm glad she was especially in this circumstance with the flood but she really always focused on making sure that there was a security there which sometimes goes in conflict with what i'm trying to do with some of the side gig right right well let's talk a, a little bit more um about how you felt to rebuild i mean what were the thoughts going through your mind when you said oh man i have to start all over from scratch did, did the insurance, did the insurance like kind of uh, lay a lot of, or ease a lot of those fears or did you still have a lot of anxiety? Oh, there was still a lot of anxiety. I mean, the memories were gone. I mean, that was the one thing that was, you know, we were, we were lucky. We, we, we took, a, basically we had a storage unit of stuff left over. So a 10 by 10 storage unit was what we were able to salvage out of our home. Um, everything else was, was pretty much gone. Uh, we knew we had to rebuild and, and my wife always kinds of thinks I'm a little bit odd, but when this, we got there, I mean, I've got all these people that are there to help. I'm there singing show tunes while we're emptying out the house, slogging it in and throwing it into a dumpster because I'm looking at this going, everybody's here. They're alive. It can't get any worse. You know, this, this is, this is, this is the way I want to go ahead and, and remember this moment is that I looked, I dealt with it. I smiled and I laughed in its face. 
and and I was going to say, and so what ended up happening was we slowly rebuilt. I mean, it took a period of time uh, for us to. We actually ended up purchasing a home within two months. Uh, kept the kids in the same school district. We tried to keep them as away from the environment of what occurred as much as possible. We tried to keep their normalcy for them. Wow, wow. But I mean, I guess having having that that positive disposition helps you bounce back from tough times just like that. You've got to you've got to have it, and I mean, I've always had that defense mechanism. When when the going gets tough, I usually laugh in its face. Um, so it, it's a matter of how you deal with those types of situations. Some people panic and freak out. You know, some people will go ahead and and go crawl into a cave. The way I've looked at it is also the way I'm approaching. You know, or I've approached things moving forward. You know, for example, the um, podcast. How I actually started with a podcast is we, we dealt with that situation and I didn't really release myself for like 18 months. I mean, I went back to work. I kept moving forward um, and just got back to work, dug my heels in. 18 months later, later, I ended up in a hospital with a stress attack because I never really let go of what, what had happened to the house. I never really gave time to mourn the fact that we lost everything. And um, I buried myself in work. And as much as I love to work, I found that I was uh, I was missing something, and what I was missing was the ability to go ahead and help others get through not only difficult situations, but just to lead their lives in a better manner. I started blogging. Uh, this happened actually in May of 2013 when I was in the hospital. I started blogging immediately after that, um, which you're going to laugh at me for this. And I said for the next uh, seven months, I was continuing to blog. It was great, you know. Had a was doing it like every week. I was creating a nice blog, and then uh, I said, "I want a podcast." Because you know what, I don't like typing as much as I enjoy actually just talking. <laughs> yeah, I think we mentioned it before. I can suck the oxygen out of a room. So right, well, hold, hold your thought on the podcast. Okay, I want to I want to get a, a, a better understanding of your childhood and your education. So give us a, a bit more backstory on your trek. Let us know what your trek is. Okay. Um, well, actually, uh, went to high, uh, grew up in upstate New York, in High Park, New York, actually, the uh, home of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Uh, beautiful, beautiful countryside. And I'm just uh, adding Ken Burns' little uh, documentary in there that he's got going on right now. But, um, you know, I grew up in the Hudson Valley, New York. It's a beautiful place to be. Um, grew up, graduated high school in 1989, and I um, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And I actually hopped on a plane and went out to California. Lived with uh, three friends in Long Beach, California for about a year, uh, trying to find myself. Why Cali? Because your friends were there or? Yeah, there was one friend who had moved out, two friends that had moved out about six months prior. And I said, you know what? I need to escape what I'm doing here. I need to see a different side of the world. Unfortunately, word of advice, if you're going to go ahead and track all the way across country and, you know, do that and you're going to explore and find yourself, it may not be in your best interest to hang out with everybody who you party with on the New York side of the equation because typically it wasn't a great focus for the beginning of our lives. It was a um, it was a opportunity to see a bunch of new things, but we were a bunch of post-high school partying kids. You know, it wasn't really a focus. I was actually one of the only couple of guys that actually had a job at the time, um, and it just became difficult after a period. And I said, you know what, I'm coming back north, uh, northeast. And uh, moved back to New York and was going to go ahead and go back to school. And then uh, I ended up having a son. Um, so world, my world changed a little bit. So I didn't end up going to college. Um, ended up going to work and uh, worked my way. I actually began working various retail jobs and ended up working at Walmart back in the early 90s. 
And within six months, I progressed very quickly through Walmart into their management training programs. Um, and within two years, I was an assistant manager. Within uh, you know four years, I was in co-management of a store, and um, you know grew grew very quickly within the organization and learned a lot of my leadership background from that kind of a structured retail organization. And the '90s were really a booming time for Walmart as well. Now, was Walmart? You know, everybody gives Walmart a bad name. They call mm -hmm. it a sweatshop and basically exploitation. Did, was that your experience there? My wife is still there. I met her. Um, I'm going to go backwards. Don't worry. So we you uh, had to tread lightly, huh? Yeah. Well, no, she's still, that's okay. I, I actually don't have to. She's, um, we both actually, uh, her store opened up about a year after mine. Uh, we actually met in 97. We knew each other, but we met, connected and made a decision. One of us needed to go ahead and get out of there because we were both in management and both working 70 to 80 hours a week in retail management. So that kind of answers your question as far as, uh, you know, as far as retail, it, it's a busy, very busy, very high demand uh, type of environment. And of course, a driven individual will go ahead and work exceptionally hard. And of course, the store will be happy to go ahead and take advantage of somebody who is, um, you know, willing to go ahead and do that and who is exempt. <laughs> well, a lot of times retail um, managers will get bonuses and things like that based on mm -hmm. the performance of the store and uh, profit margins and things like that. So sometimes it works. Sometimes oh. it benefits. Oh, it definitely, it definitely does. And you know what? I got to be honest with you. From an educational standpoint, the real world education that took place there, the people that I met, the networking environment, I've got nothing bad to say about my experience at all. I mean, it was a fantastic experience to be able to talk, work. Um, you know, I presented on numerous occasions. I revamped stores up and down the East Coast. I was given a lot of opportunities. It's just in 97, my wife and I both said, geez, we're both working all these hours we're going to get married in a couple of years. Let's go ahead and I made a change. And that's when I actually moved into the software consulting and business uh, consulting practice that I did in from 2000 to 2005. Now, what kind of software were you consulting on? It was actually um, the a sales automation software called Goldmine. Uh, but in addition, there's also a help desk software that I worked with. And what we would do is consult with organizations, find their needs, and then merge the product with their needs and develop it individually for them. So it was a fantastic experience. And I actually worked for a great entrepreneur. Uh, his name was Bob Ritter. Um, he was the number one franchisee for that particular software in the U.S. Uh, a couple of years running. So it was a great experience. And um, But it was small, but it was large. You know what I mean? It, it definitely it grew as far as the business was concerned, but it was small enough where you could see the impact that one person made. Now, what, what role did you play at, at that organization? I was actually the help desk manager as well as a consultant, field consultant. So I would actually go out and do implementations for the help desk software that they actually carried. Uh, I would create call centers as well as customer service centers, develop them through identifying their business practices, then moving forward and matching those business practices with the needs in the software, customize it roll it out. Uh, I was blessed, and I say blessed because I was able to go ahead and do training programs for Columbia University in New York City. I was able to do training programs for the New York State Police and a number of organizations, which gave me some great exposure. And I kind of leveraged my background with retail because I'll, I'll say this, prior to working with Walmart, standing in front of a crowd of 300 people was something I wasn't normally apt to do. Uh, working at Walmart, you have to do that every day. You have to have a store meeting. You have to go ahead and talk to all the employees and engage with them. 
I found public speaking to be uh, with Walmart a great education because it gave me, you know, a, an audience of employees who will sit there. You know, you wait for tomatoes to be thrown at times, uh, especially because they are employees. But you've got to go ahead and learn to. I hate to say it, work a crowd. I learned to work a crowd um, in that environment, and it was it was a great skill set. Wonderful, wonderful. So you uh, rose to retail manager at Walmart, became help desk manager, and you know I, I'm a little familiar with. with help desk because I used to work on the help desk many, many years ago. So you're always usually helping somebody when they're in their darkest hour and need something done yesterday. So I'm guessing you're used to working in high stress uh, environments. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, I mean, Walmart, always a pressure cooker. I can, I can tell you numerous stories from black Fridays. Uh, (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. I've, uh, I've, let's see, I've been threatened with a gun. I've seen fist fights break out in front of Furby's, uh, tickle me Elmo was an experience. I actually was got to enjoy black Friday before, you know, they had that unfortunate death that occurred uh, a number of years ago, but back when it was, you know, people were just going crazy, grabbing the hot toy of the week and things like that. So, but that was a stressful, but fun time looking then at, um, you know, the other environment of consulting, it was great except in 2001, 9-11 happened, and the technology right. market took a huge dip. Right, and right. Um, I, I carried it through, and I, I, I enjoyed what I was doing, but there was also something missing. Uh, and the business was not going in a different direction, but it definitely lightened up uh, somewhat uh, from what it had been in 2000 and 2001. So, and there was also the, the inability that I had, because it was a smaller business, to really be able to manage and lead others. And that's something that I enjoyed was leading others. So an opportunity became available in the energy industry to run a location for a Northeastern propane company. And I said, well, this is altogether different than anything I've ever done before. But it's leadership, it's organization, it's management. I can do this. I dove in. And within a couple of years, I was actually the regional manager. I covered 14 locations uh, up and down the East Coast, uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Vermont, and um, really enjoyed it until I made the change in 2013 when I had a little bit of a, a stress attack. Okay. Now, you, so you're with a different energy company now? Nope. Same same energy company. They actually were standing right alongside of me uh, when that when the I ended up in the hospital in 2013. And at that point, I said I need to make a change because I'm investing. You know, again, going back to the 60, 70, 80 hours a week, I'm investing a lot of my time here. I need to I need to go ahead and separate myself out and give my family some more time as well. And an opportunity became available to deal with their pricing and their margin management internally. So I said, well, you know what? I'm great with numbers. I'm great with the flow of the business practice. Let's give it a try. And uh, a year later, I'm doing. I, we had a very successful year financially, um, which I'll partially pat myself on the back for, along with the rest of the organization. But from a margin perspective, very favorable. Um, so it was. It was a good. It was a good experience overall. So I, I mean, I'm just curious because everybody knows I'm an investment wonk. So uh, how are you doing pricing for petroleum? Is it based strictly off natural gas or how, how are you doing that? Well, all of our costs, all of our costs are purchased. Uh, we do spot purchases, but the majority of our costs are purchased ahead of time. We actually purchase our contracts already into next spring. So you're so buying forwards or futures? We're buying futures. Nice. Yeah, well, and, and the intent behind it is that we can go ahead just like a pre-buy program for the winter. We can go ahead and assure customers we know what our profit margin is. You know, we know what our cost is. We know what our profit margin is going to be. We can roll out a program, budget it in such a way that it is favorable to the consumer as well as be able to um, maintain and or possibly even increase the margins that we may have had in previous years. 
Now, you, and you're buying natural gas, is that correct? No, no, propane. Propane, I'm sorry. Yep, that's so, okay. Just for all those listening, um, I just zoned out on you guys for a little bit and started talking in investment speak. So we're talking about futures. Uh, futures are basically contracts in the investment world. And um, most futures are usually surrounded by some kind of commodity, usually something from a natural resource. And they sell them on exchanges. You probably remember Eddie Murphy and Trading Places when they were selling orange juice. So it's, it's very similar to that. So Sean's company is able to buy his propane well in advance. So it's September right now. So we could buy contracts for um, propane well into February or March. And they have different contract schedules. But uh, it, you take delivery of it in that future time period. So you pay for it now. You take delivery of it. Or you can sell the contract at a profit or say a loss, depending on what's going on. But uh, that's just a little bit of it. Uh, another kind of advanced thing in regards to investments so all right cool so you you are actually in the markets uh daily weekly monthly how often do you have to do it well i actually don't do the purchasing i work hand in hand with the purchasing agent but okay. he is in it he is in it repeatedly daily and then i monitor the pricing for any spikes or anomalies to go ahead and adjust internally for our own costs so do you guys use it for hedging as well uh, not as much, not as much. We, we know in advance really what, um, our margins going to be like, we already knew what our October or November margins are going to be short of whatever the market itself does, because that's the one thing we do have. We have a blended cost, both with the futures, our contracts spot. We do purchase some spot gas. Cause sometimes, I mean, I hate to say it, a, a boat will pull in and it'll say, right. Hey, buy me cheap. And we will, we'll find that opportunity and then roll it into our overall cost. Right. And, um, Spot, everybody, is just actually buying it. You know, you have cash, you know, give me the propane, and uh, we'll take it back to our warehouse. And I mentioned another term, because, again, I'm spacing out uh, hedging. Hedging is just a, a fancy way of saying insurance. Uh, so a lot of times, you know, companies know that or they predict that something is going to either rise or, or fall in price, so they want to protect their, their profits and themselves, so they'll do what's called a hedge. Um, I'll, I'll definitely have to do a show on that at some point in the future. But that that sounds like a really cool job because then you're also, you said, um, maintaining the margins internally. Yeah. So what I do is I look at our internal cost and then propane is based on volume. Uh, it is not based on use type. So, you know, some people think, well, I, I use it for heat or I use it for cooking or I use it for drying or I use it for hot water. Well, each one of those has a different use. And the difference with oil versus nat uh, versus propane is the fact with oil, most consumers own their own equipment. They own their own tanks. Uh, propane itself, because it is a uh, hazardous material that is you know, it, it is dangerous and can be combustible if not handled properly, has a certain uh, component, which is the steel that it's contained in, uh, that it requires compliance, uh, inspections on a regular basis. So the companies own those assets. Because those companies own those assets, we have to go ahead and look at our costing very closely because, again, our profit margin ties directly back into those asset costs that we have in the field. So if we have we have 95,000 customers, so the, comp the company that I work for, you know, imagine that there's a tank that costs $400, and I'm being rough, but at each customer's home, and they vary in size from small uh, 100 uh, or 24-gallon tanks to 1,000-gallon tanks at a resident's home. Those costs are not necessarily, or those tanks are not necessarily the consumers. They are the company's asset to maintain and keep up. So I have to go ahead and put that into my factor equation for my cost. In addition to uh, receivables, in addition to uh, looking at market and com competition as well. So 
not only do I deal with margin management too, I also do, uh, my exact title is the uh, manager of margin and special innovations. Uh, so <laughs> It's kind of like a catch-all. Well, and it is. And I do stuff with service, delivery, customer service, phone systems. Well, I was going to ask, is there a major component of logistics in terms of getting, you know, the, the propane from wherever you're storing it to out to the end user? And I'm guessing that could be a major factor in cost as well. Oh, absolutely. Logistics, mileage. I mean, the the industry average is roughly $54 to go ahead and bring a truck and drop it to your door without even pulling a hose. Without the driver getting out of the truck, industry standard is it costs $54 to roll that truck just up to your door with payroll, insurance, and things of that nature. That being said, we need to make sure that every drop is profitable. Uh, so when we actually deliver to a tank, we need to go ahead and make sure we're delivering more than 50% of the usable capacity. We need to go ahead and make sure that um, there are no cost factors inhibiting it, such as a gate that's locked, for example. Well, guess what? I just spent $54. I can't get in and make a delivery. I need to go ahead and, and factor that into my overall cost. So as an organization, as a business, we look at each one of those nuances and try to go ahead and either circumvent them by avoiding things that will cost us and or um, – and I'll say this, there are times we have to create revenue streams based on those things as well. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're, we're up to date on you and, and, and how you've gotten here. How did you start coaching and, and doing the podcast and, and which one came? Well, you said you started blogging um, while you were in the hospital and that turned into podcasting. So when did coaching come about? Well, and, and I've actually been a coach for years. Um, I've actually done coaching and consulting. Even with Walmart, I was always um, – one of my side titles was assistant manager trainer. Um, so training, coaching, and consulting has always been something that I've evolved through. Consulting became more of an opportunity when I was with the first direct corporation from 2000 to 2005. That was the software organization. And even with the current organization I'm with, I actually had found that I needed to go ahead and, and I was used to train not only new employees, but also new managers that came on board. Well, fast forward a little bit. So blogging was great. And I decided, yeah, I want to do a podcast because I've been a podcast aficionado since 05. I mean, I've, I've loved podcasts forever. Um, so, you know, of course, at the time, it was more entertainment and sports value than anything else. But I said, I'm going to do podcasting, and I decided to go ahead, and what am I going to podcast about? Well, what am I going to talk about? Well, gee, I've got this great backstory. I've got you know a wonderful career in a varied myriad of different industries, and I said, you know what? I'm a leader. I've always been a personal leader. Now, how have I gotten there? Well, I've gotten there through my own organization. I've been, I've been a Franklin Covey planner uh, fan since you know 1993, so for 21 years, I've had my planner. And you know what? It's kept me organized because I'm a little ADHD and a little OCD at the same time. So you know what? I plan my plan and I work my plan. Okay. All right. So so then I said, you know what? How do I transition that over into the podcast? Well, I said, you know what? You leading you. And by the way, I, I sat there even before I thought of a podcast. I loved the name. It just kind of – I just loved the way that it sounded because it was personal leadership. It was personal accountability. It was you leading yourself. So I, I went with that brand and I said, well, how, what, do I, what am I good at? And it's organizational systems and processes. So the focus of my show is talking to people, learning about their success, learning about them, just like you and I are as well, just kind of learning the background. But in the end, the one key thing for me is the you leading you moment. How do you take your life that you have that you just talked about here, all those things that you've got going on, and here's your goal. How did you get there? How did you go ahead and reach that? What was the systematic process? And what I've really found is that there are, you know, there's a variety of different things that people do, but I really found there's at least 10 things in the interviews that I've done so far that are pretty commonplace for people. 
Everything from, you know, giving yourself a, a mindset that's positive, you know, proper diet and exercise, surrounding yourself with success, focusing on priorities. And I can keep going on. A lot of these sound, you know, well, we've heard these a million times before. But it's interesting as I'm doing these interviews, they're coming out. They're coming out more and more. And I find I'm starting to find the match between the personality and the thing that really drives them. You know, I had Evo Terra on and, you know, Evo is not necessarily a process guy. Um, he's kind of an all over the place guy. He's really kinetic. Uh, but one of the things that he does is, you know, I'll give Facebook, for example, he's got a great, uh, thought process on Facebook. He'll go on, uh, he'll review things on Facebook, but the moment he actually comes across, you know, complaining or just, you know, carrying on that really is not beneficial, he leaves. So he's put a process in place to go ahead and minimize his I exposure. I guess he doesn't stay on there too long. Then. No, he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> but but you talk about it. He also has a great process that he just implemented for his business, which is basically a no cell phone and no conversation, no talking until noon each day because his business is surrounded by creatives. Well, their majority of their energy is first thing in the morning. So they're able to go ahead and in a four-hour period create probably just as much as somebody in an eight-hour period that has those same interruptions. Mm, mm, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So continuing with what I'm doing with you leading you. So that was the podcast. And you know what I said? I, I podcast is going to be a vehicle for me. I love the ability to go ahead and share information, talk to great people. But how am I going to go ahead and move forward with this as well? Well, I do coaching and consulting uh, with individuals. I'm actually I and we talked a little bit about imperfect action. One of the things I did, Kamari, to put myself out there is I booked a date at a local hotel and I said, um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm renting a boardroom for 12 people. And I said, you know what, I'm going to have a mastermind workshop for individuals for goal attainment um, and I'm going to do it within the next 45 days. And I've been working backwards and I've actually got the marketing that's going to launch next week. I've already got one person committed to it without even doing any advertising and which has already paid for the room itself. And I'm going to sit down and do a half-day session on a curriculum that I've designed that helps people get from point A to point B. But in addition to that, after they leave, they're going to have inclusion into a mastermind group that I have on Facebook, a private group. They'll have 30 days access to that. Plus, they'll also have two coaching calls because my program, after it ends, really continues for another 90 days. So for the next 30, they're in the Facebook group interacting. If they want to continue that, they can. But they then also have two coaching calls, one that it's going to occur between the 31st and the 60th day and one between the 61st, 61st and the 90th day to go ahead and keep them on whatever goal they set forth You know, because it also goes back to accountability. So what happens after the 90th day? Well, they better be where they need to be at the 90th day. I mean, it, quite honestly, and if they're not, then it's a matter of where are they in their tasks. And well, what it, about it, the the next iteration of goals that they're looking to attain? Well, that's where that, that's where I keep you know I can go ahead and help them. Either I've built, given them a platform because the idea is, and I'm not going to go ahead and say say your goal is to go ahead and launch a podcast. You could do that in 90 days. What do you do after those 90 days? Well, you may have additional goals. My my goal is not to go ahead and have you launch just your podcast in 90 day, but give you a mindset of how to achieve anything within a period of time by breaking it down into tasks and actionable items that get you moving forward. Okay. Now, do do you see this as as being a uh, income replacer? Do you plan on leaving your job and doing this full time? 
No, it's 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 definitely a supplemental. Um, it's definitely supplemental. I enjoy it. Uh, just to let you know, too, while I'm doing the interviews, I'm also gathering data. I'm in the process of writing a book on these <laughs> leadership. Uh, who isn't? But but I'm, I, I mean, I'm finding great data. I mean, I hate to say this, but you know what people are throwing out at me is is absolute gold. There's a commonality to it. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and and it's ten ways successful uh, people lead themselves. It's very simple. Um, and I want to go ahead and gather that information. So that's going to be part of my brand. If at some point it works out well and I can replace my income, fantastic. But I'm not, I'm not here to go ahead and just jump off the diving board and say, see you later, guys. It's been nice knowing you. I'm, I'm out the door because I'm a millionaire now. A, I'm realistic. And then B, um, I know that's going to take time, energy, and hard work to go ahead and get there. And I've got the business that I work with that will support me as I'm going along the process, they know I'm doing the podcast. They know I'm doing things on the side and that's okay. As long as it doesn't a interfere and B it can actually go ahead and help them. I was able to find a keynote speaker for our, our conference coming up in two weeks through one of the masterminds I found online with podcasting, Sweet. you know? So, yeah. It, it's, it's all about those connections and leadership. So to me, everything's related. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you define leadership? Wow. Okay. The leadership, I define leadership as the ability of an individual to focus on a task at hand and be able to go ahead and move individuals towards that task. Okay, so again, um, you kind of threw me for a loop on that one. I wasn't really thinking about defining leadership here, but that's okay because for me, it is about not myself moving forward. It's about me standing at the front of the crowd, getting the crowd with a flag in my hand saying, guys, this is where we are going to go. We're going to move here. I'm going to lead the charge. We're going to get there together. We're going to work as a team to go ahead and achieve this because a leader to me, and I just saw this cartoon online the other day, you know, the, the, it's almost, I think it was a, uh, the gentleman, uh, a pharaoh, you know, he's sitting on top of the throne being carried by everyone else. That's, that's a manager, you know, as opposed to a leader who's out there dragging a stone with them. You know, and that's that's my identification of a leader, somebody who can go ahead and lead, not just by example, but lead by tone and intention. But does a does a leader necessarily have to go out and rally the troops and get them to follow themselves? I mean, doesn't a leader first have to start with themselves? I mean, that's why I love your show title, You Leading You. Well, it's personal leadership first. And again, I and it, whatever I would have an expectation for for anybody else would be the same expectation I would have for myself. For me, it's accountability. You know, I won't, I won't go ahead and hold anyone else accountable unless I hold myself accountable as well. And it's interesting. I was on another interview show and we were talking about, you know, he's like, well, how do you go ahead and make sure that people are accountable? I said, I don't. What's the name of my show? It's you leading you. You're holding yourself accountable. I'm going to go ahead and give you the tools. I'm going to go ahead and help to give you a path. I'm going to go ahead and help nudge you and coach you. And I can berate you if I want, but I can't go ahead and get you there. You're the only person that can get yourself to that end goal. Okay. What is currently your biggest challenge? Uh, you know, the it's, it's I would say it's time management. And it's not because of a lack of organization. It's just because I have a lot of things that I'm trying to go ahead and get accomplished and find that better balance. You know, the podcast, it's given me about 15 to 20 hours a week of time that I need to spend on it. So with the podcast, you know, it's doing the interviews, doing episode, uh, doing the editing of the episodes, getting the website ready, doing the social media. So all that's taken, you know, anywhere 15 to 20 hours a week to spend all that time and energy into it. In addition to a 40 to 50 hour a week job, you know, in addition to the wife Family. and the kids. Yeah, I was going to say the wife and kids are here. 
it's it's finding and striking that balance. Now, in addition to that, I'm also building a curriculum. I'm trying to write a book. And the important thing is the fact that I know where my limitations are and I know what I need to focus on. The book, I've got a framework. If I can spend 15 minutes to a half an hour a day doing something along the lines of the book, that's what I'm going to go ahead and do. But my focus is the curriculum. So I spend every day one hour a day working on the curriculum for the course, um, either the marketing of it or something that ties directly into that. And I think that's what's important from a leadership and an organizational standpoint is that folks recognize that they're not going to move ahead unless they have a focus on what their goal is and how they're going to get there. You know, and again, it has to be intentional. So the curriculum that you're building out, I'm guessing it's for the new show, not the new show, excuse me, the class you're doing at the end of this 45-day session. That's that's correct. Uh, the class itself is going to uh, be launched on October 25th. It's going to be a 10-person local mastermind. I'm actually going to be um, appearing in, in just as a, a how I actually thought about this. I'm actually going to be appearing in a local uh, magazine uh, as a one-page note on podcasting. You know, nice. so well, yeah, it's great. You know, I'm, I, so you're fantastic. like a local rock star, huh? Well, that's that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I I, I may have to get some plugs or implants, but uh, or or completely shave it all off. No, but either way, shave is good, man. Shave yeah, is good. I, I'm okay with that. I, I'm still I'm still sporting the Fred Mertz, so. <laughs> So you laughed, you know that one. So, um, but I'm I'm going to leverage that because then I, in doing this magazine and in talking to local people, I found that there is a lot of the stuff that we're doing online at the local level is lost. It's funny, as many people that are online trying to go ahead and find either a get rich quick or do it right or help or a self improvement, there's a hundred that are locally that aren't looking for it, but are, and they just don't really know it, you know. And when you start talking about the successes that you have, because the backdrop of my uh, course itself is going to be the success I've had with podcasting as well as the business success I've had in the past. Mm-hmm. And when you start to show people that, he, you know what, I had 100,000 people that actually had a download that downloaded my show last month. And they, they look at you like, oh, my God. That's a football was, stadium. That's right. Hey, I was in iTunes top 10. Really? You know, and, and all of a sudden people are like, but you're just this guy from Orange County. I'm like, yeah. You know, but that that's okay. This guy, you know, can leverage certain functions and I can show you how to do that. And it's not hard to go ahead and help to promote whatever you're trying to do. And that lends itself to all different facets, whether it's a personal or a professional goal that you're trying to achieve. I agree. I agree. You know, I, I, I tend to struggle with that. Um, I can develop content, but a lot of times it just sits there. And what I'm learning is if you don't promote it, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, and it's not going to reach the people that you wanted to reach, and thus it won't have the impact that you're expecting it to have. Yeah, if you were to ask me, and I think the original question is, what what do you have in the most the hardest time with, or what's your biggest struggle? Honestly, it is marketing because uh, that's not my forte. Um, I'm leveraging certain people to help me with that, uh, but you know, and like I just I just logged uh, got lead pages, you know, and I'm working with uh, that my Aweber account for some promotion. I'm going to use some Facebook advertising, but I can tell you, during the launch of my podcast and what I've been doing. Uh, Facebook advertising has uh, has been a trickle effect of wasted money um, as I've been doing it. And, it, and again, because it wasn't targeted, you know, hey, I'm going to try to get some likes, you know, and let me spend a hundred bucks on that. I, I don't know what I'm doing, you know. So, and I've and I've actually the good thing is I've gotten a great education on this during the process, both from people that I've networked with as well as listening to podcast. Yes, yes. There's a there's a there's so much knowledge out there. I mean. Thousands of million, matter of fact, millions of hours of free knowledge, good knowledge 
on top of that. And, you know, a lot of times people miss out on it. I mean, you go on to YouTube, I forget how many thousands of hours of video footage is uploaded to YouTube, but it's, it's massive. It's massive. And people don't take advantage of it. And it's like you can do a whole graduate master's and PhD on YouTube alone because there's that much information out there. Well, you know what's funny is that individuals like like doing my podcast, a lot of it was self-taught and then also being part of a mastermind. It was asking questions of other people, but nobody showed me. You know, that I could have joined, you know, uh, the uh, Cliff Ravenscraft podcasting A to Z mm -hmm. or John Lee Dumas's, you know, um, Podcaster's Paradise. I didn't join either of those. I did. I did actually join up with Michael O'Neill on the solo uh, solo lab. Uh, but, and a lot of that was it was a great experience because a lot of that was more behind the scenes, branding, intent, um, and there was technical help. But I found a lot of the information and knowledge I needed online. And what I'm finding is, as I'm going through this process, I can now help people fast track their education in whether it's podcasting, whether it's certain aspects of social media that may have never been touched by it before. Right, right. That's awesome. That's awesome. So now you have a whole other skill set that you can offer to the world and make a few extra shekels on. That's it, sir. That's it. All right. All right. So we're, we're coming up to the end of the show, but uh, we're in the warp drive section now. So I want to ask you a couple quick fire questions. Nothing too heavy. Nothing too big. Don't worry about it. Just give me your first response. Okay. So the first question is, what book do you feel holds a ton of million dollar ideas? Brendan Bouchard's The Charge. You know, I still have not read that yet. I, Brendan actually helped to turn the worm for me, so to speak. I um after after I actually had the uh, landed in the hospital, I read that, and I also um I mean there were quite a few books that I read, but really the charge was the one that stuck it most stuck me with me most because of the personal passion that I really found that he had the story that he had, and all of a sudden I'm realizing that I'm being um, I'm going to use the wrong term here, but I'm being turned on by this guy's dream and motivation because of his story. And then I'm realizing, I'm like, holy smokes, look at my story. I'm not that far different or that far more removed, and I can do this. you know. And, and that's that's what people need to have, that kind of inspiration. Mm, okay, excellent, excellent. So is there is there any one thing out of that book that you feel is a million-dollar idea? What, anything? Uh, the one thing that I could go ahead and say um, from that book that really, really stuck with me was the ability of persistence. In finding your dream, and and that's and I know it doesn't it's not necessarily an idea, but it's an ideology uh, that moves forward. And that that was really the key for me was the ability to go ahead and say, well, wait a minute, I'm not uh, a podcasting guru. Uh, I'm not a. Um, by the way, that is a fire whistle behind me. Um, oh, that's fine. <laughs> I've got a. Sorry about that. You don't but, have you to know, evacuate, do you? No, no, no. I, I live I live in a village in upstate New York. So, I mean, the fire. The good news is the firehouse is only a block and a half away. The bad news is the firehouse is only a block and a half away. So that's that could be a long block, I'm guessing. Uh, yes, indeed, sir. Yes, yeah. indeed. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you said persistence was one of the... Yeah, the, the, the persistence of your pursuit of passion. You know, so for really to, to go ahead and move forward, you find your passion. And if it has a connection... It can be a million-dollar idea. It, it really can. I mean, I'm looking at you leading you, and I'm looking at what my goals and visions are. And I know we're not on. I know we're on video, but I know we're, this isn't broadcasting video. But behind me is a vision board. Uh, you got Marvel on one side, and then the vision boards on the other side of me. And that I had my girls create for me. I placed 20 cards out with 
uh, things that I wanted to achieve with building my business and building the podcast. I gave them a description on the back and I asked them to draw it for me on the front. So I had my kids create my vision board for me and then decorate a poster board with the cards. And I look at it every time I'm sitting here and I'm saying every time I feel down, I'm like, ah, persistence. I need to go ahead and move my dream forward. So that that to me is my my million dollar moment. That's really cool. That's really cool. I was wondering what that was. It looks like a pathway. Yep. So uh, it look, actually, so I guess it's a track. That's your yep. own personal track. That's it. That's it, sir. Okay. All right. Second question. Um, what advice would you give to yourself now that you know better uh, when you first started out? So what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Oh, 18-year-old self. Uh, um. Wow. You know, and I've had this asked to me a couple of times and I think I've given a couple of different answers. But uh, the one thing that I would go ahead and say to my 18 year old self would be that look at your family, look at your values around you and make those most important. I mean, I spent I would probably say I spent a good 15 to 20 years of my professional life buried in work. And when I say buried, I mean, I, you know, I did it willingly. I can't, um, I can't say that the job asked of it from me. I just have to say it was my work ethic. So looking back, I would say to myself at that point in time, you can work, but think about the energy you put into that work and also do something for yourself like you are here now, you know, and, and show them at 43, look what you've created in a year or less than a year with the podcast. Imagine if you started that at 19. Uh, okay. All right. Do you regret any of that time working really, really hard and being away from family? Uh, um, the the truthful answer is no. I, I, I can't look back and have regrets. Um, I think those are wasted. And, and, don't, and don't get me wrong, regrets are something that if I put my energy into regrets, that means I'm not putting my energy into something moving forward. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um. Tell us about a time when you had a great idea. You thought it was a, a million dollar idea, but it flopped. Oh, um, okay. So while I was getting ready to do the podcast, I've actually got a notebook uh, here that I have probably filled in from beginning to almost end with ideas. One of the ideas I actually had was for a kid's show, and this was only about a year and a half ago, but it was a, a kid's cartoon that was based on these zombie-like characters coming from another dimension. And I actually pitched it uh, to a couple of people and uh, come to find out there was a similar idea that was already taken. Um, so needless to say, I didn't move forward with it. But if you look at the genre and where I could have gone with it, if I had been maybe a year and a half earlier, I probably could have capitalized much better on the, uh, on the, on the genre at the time. Well, is that really a flop or is that just a, a, a bad timing? It's bad timing, but I have to be honest, Kamari. I mean, I don't really think I pushed my entrepreneurial self except for the last year and a half because I wasn't worried about doing something on the side um, a year and a half ago. So so really the push or the entrepreneurial spirit, I have been a drone uh, and or a lemming for, you know, 27 years of my professional life. The 28th year I woke up and I'm happy to go ahead and work in the workforce, but recognize that that's not the be all end all. Tell me. What idea do you see floating around that you think is a million-dollar idea that anybody could take advantage of? Wow. That's a um, – as far as the things that are around us, oh, what, well, here's, here's the concept, what I'm doing with these local meetups. I think there is a huge potential for personal interaction in the online space right now. I think the one thing that we're really missing is and we're moved away from 
is the you know the the chamber of commerces and the you know the local business incubators they're still there and they're still active but there's such a force moving towards online businesses that there is a great deal that's lost on people with not having that localized approach so here I'm, I mean I'm looking at what I'm looking to do with this program and you know I sell you know X number of seats at X number of dollars well if I do that X number of times X number of years I can go ahead and build that audience and actually my, my goal would be – I love to speak. I don't know if you noticed that. But um, I, I love to talk. No, not at all. Not at yeah, all. But, hey, you stick me in not only on the other side of a uh, microphone but even stick me in front of a crowd and I, I love a crowd. you know. And if I could talk all day, I, I'd be happy. So you know what? If I can go ahead and transition what I'm looking to do locally and be able to help people move their own progress forward. I think that's the million dollar idea. It's not just the get rich quick because I don't want to do that. I I would stop doing the podcast and everything in a heartbeat if I thought that's what my intent was. My intent is to go ahead and help people really change their mindset and their lives to moving themselves forward. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you know, one of the reasons why I, I wanted to interview you, um, it wasn't just because you had me on your show, you leading you, which will be coming out soon, but I wanted to interview you because you're like my prototypical um, listener, you, you've worked at a job for many, many years, and then you figured out there was something else you wanted to do. So you didn't just necessarily just have to leave your job or quit and go out on a whim, but you said, you know what, I want to take it on myself and just elevate my status. I know you said reading the charge from Brendan Machar was a, was a kind of a catalyst for you, but what has that feeling been like? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, is it anything different now? Do you have more purpose? What's I, I can say this. I can say that prior to me doing this, I would be exhausted and tired by eight, nine o'clock at night, crash my head down because I'm an early riser. I'm up by four o'clock every morning. And I can tell you for the last, I'd say six to seven months, I haven't been to bed before 11, 12 o'clock at night and I'm up at four o'clock in the morning. But when I'm up at four, I'm all of a sudden I'm, I'm writing for a half an hour or I'm working on something for the podcast. So I have a purpose. And I think that purpose has energized me to no end. Now, I'll also say that I made some physical changes, um, you know, and I do a lot less of poor habits such as sitting on the couch watching TV. Um, I, I found that and I talk about time all the time. But if I look at time, time is more valuable than money, as you and I both know. Yes. Um, and so I value that now. I'm looking at, you know, my my television time. I'll watch America's Got Talent with my daughters who love it. So I'll, I'll do that. And that's my that's my. TV time, or I might watch, uh, or I'll tape The Walking Dead and watch it at my leisure. Um, but that's at my leisure. Otherwise, I have no business for time for TV because I'm I'm too energized by the entertainment that I'm doing with the podcast. So, uh, energy. Oh, so I was going off. Sorry, that ADHD kicked in again. Um, so, looking at changing habits, I also started to change my health habits, and I started eating differently. And I mean, I dropped 21 pounds just taking out sugars, taking out starches and just eating healthier and it's just and without even exercise and now i've started to exercise and i'm shaving off even more oh god i can't let you talk to my trainer i can't let my trainer hear this episode she uh she's been getting on me because i love rice love rice and um she said the same things no 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 carbs and she has to reiterate to me do you know what a carb is do you know what a carb is it's it's potatoes it's fruit i'm like i didn't know fruit was a freaking carb but okay <laughs> yeah, it's it's a matter of changing your body, and I think that's really what changed me. I took when I took the sugars out and a lot of the sugars out, all of a sudden my metabolism started to kick in, and I found that I was losing weight. So I, I don't prescribe to the fact that I don't eat any carbs. Um, 
as a matter of fact, I had a guest I interviewed recently, uh, Ellie Savoy, um, diet and uh, live free and, and diet. And I just butchered that. I'll have to find her uh, her link. But you know, on the episode itself, she actually had on a um, the intent or the idea is that people focus too much on the ability for you know to, to change their diet. Diet's going to go ahead and get me there. Well, diet's not really the thing that's going to go ahead and get you there. What's going to go ahead and get you there is the ability to focus on your goal, which may be weight loss. And in focusing on your goal, you're, you're allowed to go ahead and have a sandwich once in a while. You can have bread or some rice, but it's moderation. It's, you know, portion control. It, it's That's really the focus. Um, and by the way, it's diet-free and healthy. Sorry, Ellie. Diet-free and healthy. Okay. I'll definitely include that in the show notes. Diet free and healthy. So basically, you, you change your life, change your health, change your diet, and that's what's giving you a charge. Yeah, I'm I'm driven. I'm driven now. I mean, you know, it's funny. I've, I've got it, and I've scheduled time in for my wife and kids, not because, uh, and boy, my wife got angry at me the other night when I showed her the, my planner, and I said, here, see, don't you see you got between 6 and 7 o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah, I, got a, I got a real foot in the tail feathers on that one. But yeah. Um, but but you know what though? But that meant that I was intent on spending time with them during that time, and that's that's where I'm focusing. I'm making sure that my time is being well spent. I think that's a great place to, to leave off. I definitely thank you for your time. Let everybody know where they can find you. They can find the show and anything you're working on. Hey, definitely. It's uh, youleadingyou.com. So youleadingyou.com. I'm on Twitter at, at youleadingyou, and that's Y-O-U, leading Y-O-U. Also on Facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash youleadingyou. Love to go ahead and interact with folks. Listen to the episodes. Um, Kamari's is coming out uh, actually this coming Monday, which is September 22nd. So looking forward to seeing your episode come out as well. Yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Uh, I was going to say I got a lot of people asking me investment questions. So I, I've been rattling off my Africa and water uh, and investments. Actually, I did a video for it. So but don't want to ramble on too long. <laughs> But again, I, I thank you. I thank you for your time. Uh, great stuff. And I look to have you back on maybe after you do your mastermind or after you release the book. Yeah, definitely. Let's um, let's plan something for because right now I'm also going to be looking at November and December to do a program in the local libraries for podcasting. I'm going to do a one hour presentation voluntarily. Uh, or volunteering rather to go ahead and show people, you know, how they can go ahead and express their voices. Um, and again, I, I thought about this and I'm like, wow, I'm able to do this. Why not take some of the knowledge that I've gathered on the internet and be able to show people that if, if you've got an interest in doing this, it's not hard. And, and maybe I can help somebody overcome fear and they could be the next, you know, um, Chris Hardwick or John Lee Dumas or Adam Carolla that has that kind of an audience and exposure. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Well, thank you for taking the time out to be to be on here today. Uh, you can find us at TheMillionDollarTrek.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter and at AskKamari.com. And be sure to leave me a review on iTunes. Now, at the time of the show, we're not up on iTunes yet. We're working through the process. But leave us a good review so we can get discovered by more people and help more people find their way and find million-dollar ideas. Thank you, and have a great day. And I'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Knowledge is powerful. When implemented correctly, can truly change your life. Thanks for listening to The Million Dollar Trek, home of million dollar ideas. Visit us at themilliondollartrek.com. <laughs>